around the world, locally, with family and friends, and to those viewing for the first time, the House of Destiny International Ministries presents Dr. Larry Manley with today's message designed to create a spiritually vibrant connection between our listeners and God. We hope you will enjoy this presentation and above all, we pray you will be blessed.
to get you engaged in the conversation so you can buy into the lie that he's going to tell you. Mm-hmm. All right? And he's good about lying, right? Because mm-hmm. the Bible says he's the father of liars. Okay? So in, in, in that first part now, he makes sure that he even uses his wisdom because you got to remember where he originally came from. He, he originally, he, he was there with God before he got, um, became more than what he wanted to be. He wanted to be God. And he wants to take the place of God. So he comes here, he comes to the Garden of Eden, and he begins to mess with Eve, Adam and Eve, the children of God. Now, let's move now to Ecclesiastes chapter number four. Ecclesiastes chapter number four. Ecclesiastes chapter number four. All right, Ecclesiastes chapter number four. And we are going to look at <clears throat> verses 9 and 10. Because one thing that the enemy likes to do is he likes to isolate us. Or he likes to put us in a position where we are alone by ourselves. Because, see, if there's somebody there with us and they can help us, then the enemy can't talk the way he does. But he, he waits, and that's what he did with Eve. He waited until she was alone. Now, Ecclesiastes chapter number 4, verse 9 says this. It says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Verse 10 says, for if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falleth. For he hath not another to help him up. So that is another strategy of the enemy. He wants to make sure you keep yourself isolated. And he keeps you to a place where you're alone so you can't have conversation with somebody else besides him. Because see, one thing about the enemy, he wants to have your, your ear and your ear only. He don't want you to listen to anybody else. He does not want you to, to be in the midst of counsel. Because the Bible says in the midst of counsel for safety. So he, if he can get you away so he can hear no, you can hear no one's voice except his voice, then he will trick you. That's what happened to Eve. She wandered all by herself. Be careful for your wandering. Okay? Be very careful because all that is is a strategy of enemy. You know how people say, uh, well, you know, I, I'm just going to get to myself. I'm going to stay by myself. I'm going to isolate myself. And I don't want to be around people and all that. Listen, the Bible says, now, you need someone that's there in case you follow. In other words, somebody will be there to help you up. If you are alone, you'll have no one to help you up. That's what the book of Ecclesiastes says. So, as we look and we study the Word of God, God gives us an answer to every situation that we have to encounter. All right? Remember the title? The title was False Narrative. Untrue Stories. That's what the adversary does. He gives us and he tells us untrue stories. Make it very believable now, trust. Because he is very persuasive. Watch how persuasive he is. All right, now let's go back. Let's go back now. Let's go back to Genesis chapter number three. We're going back to Genesis chapter number three. Going back to Genesis chapter number three. Hmm. Going back to Genesis chapter number three. Now, this is the second strategy. This is the second strategy. Remember, the, the first strategy 
is to have dialogue. He won't, he won't conversation with you. All right? Now, strategy number two, as we're looking at Genesis chapter 3, verse number 2, it says, And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And then verse 4 says, And the serpent, he's still talking, the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doeth knoweth that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Now, the second strategy, as he's got you in conversation, he's got your attention. He wants your attention. He gets your attention. Now, he asks you some questions, but he asks it, he has a purpose in mind. What he does when he asks that question, because you remember he says now, he said now, what did God say you can eat? You know, and, and, and he responds. But what the adversary is trying to do, he is trying to get you to refocus. If he can get you to refocus, or if he can redirect your mind, then he can bring doubt to the word of God. See, that, that's basically what he was trying to do. He was trying to get her to doubt what God said. How many times have the adversary came to us? And he refocuses our, our train of thought. He redirects our mind to believe the lie he's going to tell us rather than believe in the word of God. That's exactly what he did. He wants us to doubt the word of God. And have, have ever ever spoken? Has anybody spoken? Has he spoken this week trying to get you to doubt what God says? Because <laughs> that, that, that's his job. He, he makes you feel as if you are very, very small and that you're, he, he tries to make you feel like uh, you're nobody because you're trusting in a God. Uh, you're trusting in a supreme being that has created uh, the universe, the heavens and the earth, the sea, everything beneath it. He, he's trying to get you to denounce the God. He's trying to keep you from believing in what God says. And the way he does that, he takes some of God's word and he adds some of his stuff to it in order to get your attention. So, so, so here he is now. He is trying to get your mind to move away from believing what God has said. Now, you remember I talked about how he was alone? Yes. Alright. Now, let's look now. Let's, let's look at Genesis chapter number 2, verses 6, starting with verse number 16. Now, God has spoken to Adam. Genesis chapter 2, verse number 16. It says, And the Lord God commanded who? The man. Not he. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. Verse 17 is a conjunction. You have to always wait till God finish. Because a lot of times we like to interrupt God. Verse 17 is 
where now he's beginning to tell him that there's a power that that's a wait a minute. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So here he is now. He has spoken. He has spoken to Adam first. But you find out that Eve is alone, right? She's alone in the garden, I said. So that must mean there is a breakdown of communication. There's a breakdown of communication. God speaks to Adam. Tells him, gives him the instructions. You can't eat. If every tree in the garden you can eat. But when it comes down to the tree of good and knowledge, evil not good and evil, you cannot eat from that tree. And he said, and when you do, you will surely die. He wasn't talking about a physical death. He was talking about a spiritual death. Because how many know that once we begin to disobey God, we die spiritually? Little bit by little bit, we die spiritually. So there was a breakdown between Adam and Eve. So Eve is out there by herself. Okay. And next thing you know, the devil is talking. And he has got a shrewd, shrewd line. He's speaking. There's a breakdown in communication. See, that, that, that's his strategy, is to break down the communication between in relationships. To break down communication among people. Alright? Because once there's a breakdown, and you have that by yourself, and remember the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, it's not good for one to be alone. It was God says that in his word. It's not good for, for man to be alone, so that's why he comes up with Eve. But then, because of the breakdown of the communication, then Eve gets tricked because somewhere somebody's not communicating. Hello? <laughs> somebody's not communicating. Alright? Because now she's found herself engaged in conversation with the adversary. Alright. Going back to Genesis chapter number three. Going back to Genesis chapter number three. Alright. We're going to look at the next strategy that the enemy has. Genesis chapter number eight. The first, first strategy is he engages in dialogue. All right? The second strategy, what he does, and, and him giving that storyline, he began to ask action questions. He tries to get you to redirect your mind, refocus, and tries to get you to doubt God. Now, in the third strategy, watch how the adversary works. Alright? He says now in, in verse number six, he says, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired, to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Now, what has happened now, even though this is the setting, the third strategy, you have to look at the setting. They're in the place where they've always been. They're in the garden. They're in the place where they meet and commune with God. However, they have an enemy now that has intruded. He's also in the garden. And what he's saying is this. 
He's trying to get, he's trying to seduce her to look at what she's always seen, to look at it differently. And that's exactly what she does. That's exactly what the enemy does. He tries to get us, he seduces us by trying to get us to look at a situation or a circumstance differently. You already know the truth, but when he speaks to you, he refocuses your mind, he gives you another direction. He says, well, take another look at this. Maybe you didn't see it all correctly. See, you got to know how he talks. Amen. <laughs> I don't know if I want to use that analogy now. Oh, um, you know, back in the younger days, let me put that. Back in the younger days, you know, you, there are some guys that are smooth, smooth talkers, right? Yeah. Some of y'all did it. Y'all, come on, y'all, y'all know y'all been there. <laughs> you know, you, 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 you know that line. And you made that line so believable. See, that's how the, that spirit of seduction is. To get you to do something you're supposed not to be doing. Even though you know what's correct. Mm-hmm. So what he does now, he gets her to look at... Now, she's still looking at the same tree she saw in the beginning. But all of a sudden she sees it in a different light. When she sees it in a different light, because see, the enemy that told her, now you ain't going to die. So she began to look at it again, and the Bible says she, when she sees it, she says, she said, I saw that verse 6. She knows that it was good for food. It was good for food in the very beginning. What changed? The whispering enchantment in the end. That's why you have to be very careful who you allow to impart into you. Because Satan will tell you a lie. That's his ultimate goal. So you have to be very careful what you take into your soul, what you take into your spirit. And then she says, it was pleasant. Hmm. It was pleasant to the eyes. That not look that bad. It don't, it don't look that bad. It, it looks very appealing. Do we not know sin is very appealing? When we got caught up in sin, Satan didn't make sin ugly. He didn't make it distasteful. He made sin appealing. Very appealing. See, that's how Satan does. He makes things appealing in order to entice us. Fools. And then he says something more interesting. He she says, it's a tree to make one wise. Well, she didn't know she already had the wisdom of God. But the enemy made her think she was liking something. How many of us, the enemy come and tell you, well, you know, you ought to be this way, you ought to be this way, you're missing this. That's his job, to make you think you're missing something. She's seeking for something. Ooh, Holy Spirit. She's seeking for something she already had. How many of us seek outside of ourselves thinking we're missing something so we put our hands to things of the world to find out we have just been snagged by the adversary. Everything that we need is already on the inside of us. It's not on the outside, it's internally. So she thought she was missing something and then verse number seven says, and the eyes of them both, because you know, she gave it to her husband as well, and the 
were open and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Now, before we go to that part of that hidden thing, the cover up, let's look now at 1 John chapter number 2. Let's look at 1 John. 1 John. The book of 1 John. 1 John chapter number 2. Chapter number 2. This has to do with the third strategy. 1 John chapter number 2. And we're going to begin reading at verse number 15. It says, Love not the what? The world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Well, we love the world, the things in the world. The Bible tells us that the Father, he's not in us. And then look at verse number 16. 16 says, for all that is in the world. Remember what Eve was designing? Those were fleshly things. Verse 16 says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. What has our flesh been lusting after? When it comes down to lust, the, uh, the definition for lust is uh, that which is forbidden. Because anytime we are lusting after something, that means it has already been forbidden for us to have. So the only way we can get those things that we're lusting for is out of the world. It comes from the world, all right? Then you talk about the lust of the eyes. How often do we see things? And we desire those things that we see. Not because we need them, but we think that we have to have them. Well, lusting for things comes from the eye. Whatever our eyes see. You know, and I thank, thank and praise God for summertime almost over. Because mm. we do a whole lot of sinning, don't we, men? In the summertime, I see some of them smiling. <laughs> and they, they, they really do a whole lot of lusting in the summertime. Because women, see, women know how to present themselves, or they claim that they're not doing it. They just, well, I'm wearing this because I want to wear it. You know? You wearing it because you want somebody to look at you. And just, just at the time, when, when a man begins to look, and they do look, amen, men, they do look, they do look, yeah, they do look. Next thing you know, the first thing a woman wants to say, well, so sexual harassment. Well, you advertising. Got to hear it on both sides.
you know, you think you got to have this, you think you got to have that. But 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 that is not so. The point of life, it says it is not of the Father. None of those things is of God. So we have to be very, very careful what we say and what we do. Very, very careful. Because see, that's what the adversary is doing. Remember now, we talked about uh, false narrative. Satan presented a false story. He presented a lie. But what has he been presenting to us that's false? That's not true. What is his storyline? Baby, you know you do the most beautiful thing and you can't trust to get out the door. <laughs> what narrative? Oh, it's better for you to do this. It's better for you to go here. It's better to be entertained here. That, there are so many false scenarios. You know, I keep going back and asking God, of course, ask God, what is this false narrative, this false story that we're being, we're being told? Let, 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 me, let me share something with you. And we're going to come back to Genesis chapter number three. We'll come back there. Now, my daughter was in the hospital this, this week. Uh, we went from the doctor's office, we go to the hospital, and they want to, you know, swab her, and she told me, no, no, you can't swab me. Yeah. Uh, they want to swab her to see if she had COVID. And she told them, no, no, I'm not going to do that. And they kept insisting, even the doctor kept insisting that, that she takes his test to see whether or not she had COVID. And she kept telling them, no, I do not have COVID. I got it. I got something going on with me, whatever it is, my part of one of those bugs, but all I need is an antibody. Okay? So, so as we were there, and it kept on, it kept emphasizing, kept saying this is what she needed to do. And lo and behold, when we get to the room, they decide they have to keep her. So we, 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 we go into the hospital room, and then, yeah, of course, we're in there with no mask and stuff, and they've got the sign on the door, you know, all these precautionary measures. And the next thing we knew, here come the nurses with all these gowns on, got to have the mask on and all this stuff, and they've got it written on the board, and then we look in Hades, okay? Because she refused to take the swab. And so the doctor asked her, he said, well, why are you going to do this? And she said, because I read a whole lot of stuff about it. So therefore, I'm not going to take it. You're not going to swallow me. So, so that they settled down with that. Then, a little while later, they decided that they wanted to give her a shot to thin her blood so she wouldn't have any blood clots. And she told no, I don't want no shot. She said, I can move around. I can get up. I can move. So why should I take this? She said, I'm not going to have a blood clot. So that's what people that can't really get out of can't move around or whatever. And so anyway, they said, okay, yeah, that's fine. So she refused. Yeah. You gotta watch it. And you have to watch it. Trust, you have to watch it. The next day, with a different nurse, 